like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this week's nickname isn't very good, so I'm not going to read it out loud, but there you go. <laughs> um, it's the best I can come up with on the fly. Uh, this week, we are continuing our journey of I'll Show You Scary. These are the top 100 rated movies from Rotten Tomatoes. Now, we're not watching all 100, of course. We are just watching... No. Uh, but we've seen we've seen a good chunk <laughs> a lot of them. them. Yeah. We are watching five of them this month of October 2020 that we had not seen prior, or at least one of us had not seen. In this case, the only movie this month that I had seen prior to the recording, um, which is Wicker Man from 1973. But we will get into our full review of that coming up shortly. But first, we like to catch up with how we've been doing since the last time we recorded and what else we've been watching. So, Corey, how you doing? Fine, it's chilly here. Yes, it was, what, 28 degrees this morning for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cannot and... forget such numbers. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that's okay. There's uh, one day, it was supposed to be, like, a low of 17 one day. Um, oh. And that's, like, overnight temperatures, too. It's always, like, coldest here, like, right before the sun rises. I don't sense. know. Yeah. Um. Well, I would feel like it would be, like, the dead of night. Like, ah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was trending. It, there was supposed to be a day that was supposed to be a low of 17, but they've raised it. It's supposed to be a low of 20 now. So. Yeah, it's like 75 here. Like oh, sounds so nice. It's I not mean, bad here. It's not that bad here. I just think I'm bracing myself for a cold winter. It's fine. We'll be fine. It does seem like it might get a little bit cold. Uh, we don't strictly talk about weather, but it is that time where the, the weather's changing so weather makes sense to kind of be, you know, discussed because we're at that weird middle point of fall uh, where like for Florida, it's just starting to feel like fall. And then for you, it's starting to feel like winter already, you know, so it's mm-hmm. it's relevant. Like tomorrow morning, I, I run on Saturdays. Uh, we record these usually on Friday nights um, and in the morning, it's only supposed to be like 70 degrees. So I'm gonna, oh, I might actually get nice. to wear like, you know. I will, I will I will still sweat because I sweat like crazy. But uh, the high tomorrow is only 85, it looks like so. Tomorrow's going to be a nice kind of day. Although it, with Florida sun, it will feel a little hotter. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, be um, nice we had a uh, technically a three day uh, weekend. Um, we were teachers were um, we had a work day, but we were uh, we were also off a day early. We were off Thursday. We weren't off on Thursday. We didn't we were told not to come to work on Thursday because uh quarantine stuff we had so many people who had to be out that it was uh easier to do online school uh on thursday so um you know uh the same a day after or a day or two days after our governor said that uh schools were proven to not be um (laughs) hotbeds and while he's not entirely wrong i would also like to point out that the schools are not hotbeds for covid partially because we are uh, social distancing, most schools are at half capacity. Um, schools are mandating masks for the most part. You know, we're doing all the things that the CDC said we should be doing. So, you know, putting a bunch of people into a school, like all the students could be bad. So just, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, but we, we were, so we had kind of a day off yesterday. Today, uh, we had grades due because the first nine weeks is ending. So I had, I had a lot to do 
had a lot of meetings this morning, but pretty much since one o'clock, I've been kind of free today. And I, I got to hang out with a good friend um, who I hang out with pretty regularly, but uh, good friend and coworker. Um, and then more good friends uh, tonight where we play, we started playing D&D about, uh, I guess it's about a month now because we're playing every other week. So this was our third night of D&D. Um, and I got to say, it's a lot of fun, uh, especially the way we are we are playing. I would say a little more casually. Our, our DM knows that we are all new for, to it for the most part. There's one of one of the four of us is uh, not new to it. But um, we had a, a very communal kind of maybe a little too chill game tonight. But we made um, well, our one of our players made uh, an extravagant, I would say, is the only way to describe it. Taco dinner. Um, taco nacho. I, I actually had taco salad with some chips because that's how I, uh, you know, try to stay healthy-ish with with nachos, um, <laughs> with tacos and stuff. I just I I literally eat like a bag of shredded lettuce with like taco meat and cheese in it, um, so that it's you know a lot of lettuce fills me up and I don't have to eat a billion chips, which is what I want to eat. So yes, <laughs> and they're so easy to like mindlessly eat. Right, because Ugh. something with the salt and the crunch, man, I can just mindlessly. And you just like grab chips. one and not even realize mm-hmm. it. We don't keep them in our house, so I totally get it. I we I I had not been. Kathy's been buying them, and I'm just like staring oh. at them, like I don't need tortilla chips and salsa. Um, I want tortilla <laughs> chips and salsa, <laughs> but um, but then I did. It was my technically today was my cheat day, but I was still like I was being pretty t- tame because I knew. That one of my friends was going to be making these pumpkin maple cream whoopie pies, and I was uh, I, I was a little worried because they were not prepared. When I when I got there, they were making the nachos, and I saw three cans of pumpkin. I'm like, "Hey, what's this pumpkin for?" And she's like, "The whoopie pies." And I'm just like, "Yeah, but when when are they going to be made? Because it's like you know, <laughs> it's already like six. But she made them while we played D and D, and oh, it was worth it. They are so good. Um, I don't know how many calories. I'm not trying to calculate. It's it can't be good. I know they're bad, but you know, uh, they, they were very, very delicious. So thank you, my friends. Um, and I don't know if they actually listen to this, but if they do, thank you. And if you don't, maybe one day you'll just hear this by chance or something, who knows, but, uh, it was a good night. Lots others. of fun. <laughs> yes. Lots of fun. Um, and our DM is, is doing this amazing job of making this interactive in so many ways. And I'm having a blast. I actually started listening to a D and D podcast at the, uh, um, suggestion of a different friend. Um, and it's called, it's one that anyone who probably listens to our podcast would probably know this type of podcast because it's like a really big podcast whose name I'm not going to be able to pull up all of a sudden, uh, see adventure zone. Um, and it, it started back in 2014, but they, uh, I, I'm starting there. Like I jumped right to episode one. So I'm like listening from the beginning and that has helped me a lot to kind of get like the flow of like how to play. Cause it is a lot, you have to really be thinking about what you can do. And there's not a lot of limitations, and I'm used to video games having those, Rules. you know, restraints where you you can't just do anything, but you kind of can in D and D to a degree because it's it's more open world and it's up to your DM to decide things, of course. But it's it's been a, a, a learning curve to say the least, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm still kind of shocked at myself for having never played uh, all these years, but because um, it definitely seems like something I would be comfortable with. Although uh, what I've come to realize it is like my often like self-consciousness is what has kind of held me back because you have to be open to like being imaginative out loud you know on the fly and that you're putting yourself out there essentially you know um but when you have a group of people that you're comfortable with it's a lot of fun so definitely recommend if you ever get a chance uh give it a try 
Like, Corey, you bought the uh, the Green Knight Dungeons and Dragons game, didn't you? Yeah, I it's still sealed. Um, well, yeah, but yeah, I did. I've wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons, but then it's like so much. But at the same time, it's not because it really does depend on who you're playing with. So, like, if you know, if you and Bill found a couple of people who were kind of open to like it being relaxed, because there are definitely people who play it like hardcore and um i don't think i would enjoy that experience at least not yet but with this group it's very relaxed our dm's not trying to like destroy us he's trying to give us a good time so he's purposely you know writing a story that we could die in the game but it's not like that's not his intent he's not trying to make it impossible he's trying to make it a good experience you know mm-hmm. so like stuff has to happen in the game for it to be a good experience so you, of course there's a, a risk involved we had one of our, our party mates almost died um, from poisoning and we had to uh, get her to to help and it was fun you know got to i'm a rogue so i got uh who's really good at persuasion like i can talk my way out of things so i was able to convince the uh the person with the antidote to help us out so rolled a good good dice roll it's a lot of fun feel very nerdy talking about it though, so let's move on um, i think more people play than would even ever say you know what i mean I, or even people mm-hmm. that you don't expect well, yeah. Have you seen the celebrities that play? Like uh, Henry Cavill um, is a huge, or sorry, Cavill is how you say his name. Henry Cavill, uh, who's man at the Superman. He's he has a D and D thing. Oh he constantly posts on Instagram and stuff. Uh, but Vin Diesel. That show that he just had that I the watched. The Witcher. Yeah. I want to watch that. I hear that's pretty good. I always forget it's him because he looks so different. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And. Uh, but Vin Diesel has his, like, I think legendarily has his uh, D&D character, like, tattooed on him somewhere. Oh like, um, there are some, like, hardcore uh, D&D players out there. And, of course, there's tons of stuff, like, on um, YouTube and, and there's other podcasts that are all into D&D and stuff. So it's, it's obviously a really big game. It's not like other people haven't been playing it for years. But yeah. I do think uh, Stranger Things maybe brought it more to the, like, where it's acceptable to talk about it outside of, like, the other people who play it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I've before Stranger Things. I've been trying to play with a few groups. It was just it's always hard to get everyone there committed to the time, you know, for long sessions and stuff. But it is it's fun. I like it. Um, it's good times. Good times. Um, let's get into what we've been watching, Corey. What have you been watching since the last time we recorded? Oh my God, not much, guys. Um, oh. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just you know October is my favorite month. You know, I just love it. It's spooky season, but mm-hmm, I'm just mm-hmm. not feeling like myself at all this year. Um, don't know what to expect for Halloween. I don't yeah. know. I just don't. I'm not feeling it this year. Um, so I haven't been watching many movies. I did watch, however, a movie that I've only watched for the third time this week. But I love this movie, and I think about it constantly, and I was thinking about it a lot, so I was like, I'm gonna watch it this weekend, so I did. It's on the Criterion Collection, it's one that I did a blind buy of, and I'm so glad I did. We might have talked about it before, but it's called Carnival of Souls. Uh, Yes. Um, But I, I just love it. Um, The ghoul in it, I, he's one of my favorite ghouls, like... (laughs) In any movie ever, there's just something about him. I, oh, it's from 1962. And I've, so I've like been thinking about it a lot for like the past month. 
And I was like, I love this movie so much. I need to see if the director made any more movies. He has not. Oh. This was his only feature-length film. The only other work he's done is I think he did, like, instructional videos for a corporation or something that he worked at. Um, Hmm. Yeah, so this was his only film, but I love everything about it. And I don't know, like, if you guys, if anybody else feels this way, but I love movies even more when I've been to the locations they've been filmed. Yeah, no, I, I, I can make a personal connection to things like that. So, yeah, definitely. And this one, um, there are quite a few scenes at the Saltaire in Salt Lake. And I love that place. But apparently back in the heyday, like even before this film was like shot, um, they had like big boardwalks and um, like on the salt, Great Salt Lake. Um, so it like everything that I've read about it and some of the photos I've seen of it makes me think of, um, oh, what's that place in New Jersey? Their boardwalk with like all the games it's and not, stuff. Is it isn't Coney it, Island? Yeah. Isn't that Jersey? I don't. Or it's in New York? New York, Jersey area. I don't know for sure. I've actually, okay. the times I've been in New York, I've not been to Coney Island. So. Well, it makes me think of that, but it burnt down. They rebuilt it. It burnt down again and then they gave up so um but i just think it's a really cool building and i love this movie a lot and then i've been watching fear the walking dead ah i i haven't watched much i i got the vibe that was the end um i am correct right yeah so i uh i haven't watched a lot i've watched a few movies but like really um most of the things i watched were the weekend and then like i fit in our movie um, but there's a lot I want to watch and I've, I keep like falling more and more behind. Like, uh, today the remake of Rebecca came out, which isn't getting great reviews, but I really want to watch it because we watched Rebecca on this podcast a little while ago. Um, and I like the director, even though I, I don't like him as much as I thought. I, I think I've only actually seen two of his movies, but I do like it. And then, um, I like the actresses, uh, the actress and actors, excuse me, Lily James and um, Army Hammer, but I still haven't watched uh, the new Aaron Sorkin film that came out last week or the new Charlie Coffin film that came out like a month ago. And oh, yeah. I haven't watched, uh, um, there's at least three things on HBO Max that I want to watch. I am watching the new Robert Zemeckis movie, The Witches, this weekend because uh, Matt and I are covering it for our podcast on Tuesday, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Um, which that's the Raw Doll book. It's a remake of the '90s movie, Witches. Um, stars Anne Hathaway and Octavia Spencer. I, I have not heard much yet, but I'm planning on watching it. And you know, uh, there's so many things out that I really, really want to watch, and I just yeah. haven't had the time. You know, I think that Netflix is taking over, but I finished about a month or so ago the book The Queen's Gambit. It's by the same author Walter Tevis that wrote the book for The Man Who Fell to Earth. Oh, I really enjoyed the book, but they're doing a movie for Netflix with Anya Taylor-Joy. Ooh. So I'm excited to watch that. I like her. Um, I do too. Well, uh, I did get a few movies in, but um, so I watched uh, The Majestic mm. with Jim Carrey and um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not the best movie. I did like it. Uh, it's, it's a little melodramatic and a little sentimentality pushing, but there was this really great quote uh, by uh, the, the actors. Martin Landau says the quote, but um, have you ever seen the majestic? 
I haven't. So it's one of the few Jim Carrey movies I had never seen. Um, I still haven't seen uh, Man um, Man on the Moon or um, the number 23. And there's a couple of other like sleepers in there. But those are like that was still at a peak time when I was a big Jim Carrey fan. But that was when he went into like the dramatic period. And I kind of checked out for that at the time. Um, you know, I was too cool for that kind of thing. And, uh, um, but this quote I thought resonated really well. So the movie's from 2001, but a big part of it is that, uh, they're remodeling a movie theater that had shut down after world war two. And this is like, they're, they decided because this, uh, the Jim Carrey's character is, has amnesia and they think it's this guy's long lost son. And now that his son has returned, um, they're going to reopen the theater. So that's the goal, right? And uh, when they're talking about the theater, this is at the time, it's like, it's 1952 and TV is starting to become a concern for the film industry. And he says this, uh, why would you want to stay home and watch a little box? Because it's convenient, because you don't have a, uh, you don't have to get dressed up because you could just sit there. I mean, how can you tell that? How can you call that entertainment alone in your living room? Where's the other people? Where's the audience? Where's the magic? I'll tell you in a place like this, the magic and Given our current state where our theaters are closed, uh, the likelihood of them reopening is dwindling every single day. This quote resonated really hard for me. And it was probably the thing I liked the most in the movie because it was just like, wow, that's so how I feel about going to the movie theater. Like, I don't generally like people, but I do love watching a movie with people. Not all people, but there's there's nothing better than that unison scare or the unison laugh when everybody's on the same page and everyone reacts um some of my favorite recent experiences seeing movies are going to some of the marvel movies when they are packed or um the star wars films minus rise of skywalker but that crowd interaction because everyone's there because they want to be there like the the downside with like other crowded movies sometimes the people are there for the wrong reasons those are the people who wreck the movie the people who are there because they want to experience the film make it worthwhile and and where i really am noticing this the most right now is with my classes that i have my students are not all in the same room usually when we watch a movie we're all in the same place and we watch it together where i put it on the screen and we all watch it and i hear them react and i see them react and we have these communal moments and especially after years of being in the same class together you know we we look at each other we have these expectations of how someone might react to a scene or whatever and I miss that right now because we are watching it, even when we're watching it, quote unquote, at the same time, we're each watching it on our own computers. It's not synced up. Uh, you know, it's just we we all hit play and and maybe it's synced, maybe it's not, but it's not the same. It's noticeable that, you know, we're not able to hear each other. And again, I'm not talking about the rude audiences or the people who wrecked the, the movies, but I'm talking about those times when you can tell everyone's there for the same reason. Film festivals are the best example because almost everyone that goes to a film festival wants to be in the movie you know they're, they're at a festival I've, i have experienced some horrible people at festivals who apparently don't want to be at a festival but decided they're going to go and sit in one anyway makes me but think angry. of uh, well yeah but it makes me think of those people who go to shows to just talk the whole damn time yes it makes zero sense to me but um but uh so i watched that and then later that day i watched the odd couple from 1968 um, because we are going to be covering uh, 1968 on an upcoming episode of Movie Astrology. So I'm doing some prep with movies I have not seen. I actually had seen parts of The Odd Couple, but never from its beginning to end. Uh, it's Martin Landau. And um, that's not right. It's not Martin Landau. Sorry. Uh, that's from the previous movie. It's um, Jack Lemon and 
Walter Matthau oh, wow. is where I screwed that up. Um, I I really enjoy this movie. They're still super funny. I'm a big Jack Lemmon fan. Um, I, I I used to be a big Martin. Uh, man, I did it again. <laughs> Walter Matthau fan, and I still love him. But when I was a kid, he was in Dennis the Menace. The, yes. the, the like, and so I loved him from that because I was a big Dennis the Menace. Like I liked the comic strip. I liked the t- the old TV show. I used to watch reruns on Nickelodeon, and then the movie came out. So it was like, ah, this is my sh- the, my movie. And I've seen that movie so many times. Plus, Christopher Lloyd's in it as the the bad oh, guy. Yeah. In that movie. <laughs> the beans. Um, it was the beans, right? And so I was always a big fan of uh, that film. Um, but Jack Lemmon, I've as an adult, I've gone back and we've watched. Um, you know, I've watched The Apartment. And I've watched uh, Some Like It Hot and The Odd Couple. Just, just fantastic. Um, big, big fan of those movies in general. So it was, it was really cool to rewatch it. Um, Matt and I reviewed a film called Nocturne. It's one of the uh, Welcome to the oh. Blumhouse movies that's on Amazon Prime. Um, very good movie. It's uh, I, we've watched Black Box and Nocturne from that. I've not watched the other two that came out under the uh, the guise of Welcome to the Blumhouse, but definitely recommend checking out Nocturne. Um, Big Tuna loved Nocturne. Uh, Matt and I both liked it. Uh, we we but we both think it's very good. It's it's more like tonally creepy and and freaky. That's uh, not ever like super scary though but it is it's got some disturbing stuff in it but it's really cool um definitely worth checking out then in continuing with the 1968 thing i watched the film of iconic action film called bullet uh starring steve mcqueen i've never seen a steve mcqueen movie um and uh i kind of went into this uh not sure what i was getting into i don't dislike the movie but i also was not pulled in like i thought i was going to be it just it wasn't as exciting as I was thinking it was going to be. Um, it was more like crime, like oriented. And then there's some action. I don't know. I, I wasn't pulled in. I don't dislike it. Um, it just wasn't what I was really, I was hoping it was just going to like suck me and I was going to be blown away. Didn't get that. Um, Cause it is kind of like an iconic film. It's, you know, seen the poster for years and I've been meaning to get to it. And it finally was there. And then I rewatched the wicker man, which uh, we will get into our thoughts on in a moment. So um, I didn't watch anything else really this week. I mentioned the podcast that I listened to, and that's kind of it. Uh, I have I, I, several TV shows I want to watch, Corey, like so many TV shows, and I'm so apprehensive about getting into any of them. I still have a whole season left of Legend of Korra. I got three episodes left of The Boys uh, season two. I want to watch that um, the, the Lovecraft show on HBO. I can't think of what it's called. Something Lovecraft um lovecraft chronicles or something i've heard great things about that really want to watch that haven't started it you know there's a new animaniac series coming out on hulu oh gosh i loved the animaniacs as a kid i didn't realize how young i was when that show came out until like the other day i looked up like the release date when it first came out i was like oh wow i was only like 11 or 12 or something when it came out um i, I in my head i thought i was too old when it was like cause i watched the reruns for years after that so i was thinking it was like high school when it came out but it was oh. right before high school. Um, anyways, that's what we've been watching. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into our full review of The Witcher. First spoiler free. Not The Witcher. Man, <laughs> the Wicker Man. And then um, from 1973. Sorry, we, The Witcher's on the brain. Um, and then we will get into our spoiler review with plenty of warnings. So no worries. We'll be right back. And we're back. So The Wicker Man, 1973, has a 7.5 IMDb user rating, an 87 Metascore, which is a pretty positive score, uh, directed by Robin Hardy, 
um, written by Anthony Schaefer, stars uh, Edward Woodward, Christopher Lee. I always forget that's Christopher Lee. He does not look like Christopher Lee at all. Uh, that's it. And no beard. Um, Diane Calento, Britt Eklund, Ingrid Pitt, Lindsay Kemp, Russell Waters, Aubrey Morris, Irene said all these famous names, right? Walter Carr, people that you know, household faces uh, pop right up when you hear their names for sure. Um, a Puritan police sergeant arrives in Scottish Island Village in search of a missing girl who the locals claim never existed. Um, so I'd seen this and uh, I remembered liking it, but I, I didn't remember a lot of details. I remember key like I like images, but not all the specifics. And um, I, I enjoyed my second viewing. I think there's a lot of uh, it's, I think it's a very smart movie. Um, and I do want to ask before we get into your thoughts, you did see Ari Aster's Midsummer, correct? Yeah, in theaters. Or or Midsommar, depending on Anessi. And did you like or dislike Midsummer? Um, I liked it. I didn't think it was like the best film ever made though. But I think that there's something about him. I haven't because doesn't he have another movie or two besides Hereditary and Nope. That's I thought it. I thought he had another movie. I am fairly confident, but I could be wrong. I am double checking while you. I could also be wrong, but I think that he has such he he has such a gift of like right off the bat creating unease. Like, like I can Mm. remember the exact point in the movie where I was just like, no, 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 and it's just like a you know turning of the camera, like. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing like crazy. We're not has, seeing uh, people skinned sorry. alive. No, go ahead. No, he has two feature films: Hereditary, Midsommar, and then uh, it looks like six or seven um, short films. But okay, only the two main. Um, so he's not like my favorite, you know, ever. Um, but I just think that he he's you know just so good at that. Well, I bring it up because when I saw uh, Midsommar, I, I like Midsommar a whole lot. I do like Hereditary more. Um, but I, as soon as I was watching Midsommar, actually, I think even just from the trailer, I was like, oh, this it's clearly like Wicker Man influenced. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was just curious uh, now that you're because you're watching them in reverse order that I saw them. I saw Wicker Man and then I saw Midsommar and you you flipped it. So I was wondering if that like if this would have helped or if that would like increase your enjoyment of this movie the wicker man um because of your liking or kind of liking of midsummer kind of thing um um you don't have to make that comparison i'm just it, bringing it, it, up. it definitely it one affects the other definitely but i would rather just say after we give spoilers okay gotcha gotcha um uh, so then overall with the wicker man um it was okay oh Okay. Um, just okay, Corey says. Uh, well, this is one of those rare ones where the, the consensus, obviously, is in the top 100 um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I do have the Rotten Tomatoes score. I will get that. Obviously, that would make a lot of sense to announce given <laughs> the premise of this ep- episode. But um, this was one that, uh, you know, one where I'm on, that, on their side because we have been up and down with the overall positivity of some of these big time horror movies that we hadn't seen. This one worked for me the first time I watched it. It worked for me this time. Um, it has an 89 Rotten Tomato score. 
which it's number 77 in the 100. So it's not like high up on the 100, but it's still of all horror movies being in the top 100, still pretty, pretty high. And of course, that's the Rotten Tomatoes score. Obviously, there's other factors that would go into where it would list, you know, other people's lists and stuff like that. But um, for me, this movie works really, really, really well. It's atmospheric. I think there's a lot of commentary on on views and values. And um, honestly, watching it in 2020, I picked up on fascism in a way that I had not picked up the previous time. Um, this The officer, police sergeant, uh, Howie, which is not a very intimidating name. If they could have picked a better name. Um, Edward Woodward. He's so quick to like iron, iron fist justice. And it's not his jurisdiction really it doesn't seem like it should be his jurisdiction like i don't know how jurisdiction works in that country i guess but like he just shows up and they're like hey you know this is private property and he's like no i've been sent here but it's like yeah but should you have been sent there like i don't know how that would work but man when he's like he's so quick to condemn everybody because they don't have his beliefs um so there's a lot of like commentary and stuff like that without getting into all of the specifics that's kind of like the general vibe of this movie and um again i liked it the first time and this time i i I just i viewed it in a different way and i thought it it, like so much of its commentary and criticism about the the behavior rang truer this time around uh for me than even the first time which again i liked it the first time i could see this needing more than one viewing i just don't know well i i think i was still more positive on it uh with my first viewing um and I, I, I wish I could remember exactly why, because I didn't, I don't know, it's kind of similar, again, Midsommar definitely borrows so much, but there's a, it's a, there is a sense of dread, but one of the things that's so weird about it is that it's, it's so sunny, right? And that's the same with Midsummer. like, it's always sunny in Midsummer. like, they, it, it's part of the ply, right? Is that, like, the sun doesn't set for, like, weeks because of this festival or whatever. Um, and so it's always bright and sunny, which is when you compare his only other film at the time, Hereditary, which is almost completely in darkness throughout so much of the movie, right? It's contrastingly different there. And But I would say that's true of most horror films. Most horror films like to be set at night. They want dark corners where things can hide and lurk and you don't know what's there. And The Wicker Man, it's like, well, you see everything. Yeah, right. You see everything in The Wicker Man. So like, there is never... It's like weird to feel a sense of dread in this open world where everybody seems so friendly and inviting and nice. And like, yeah, there is a few scenes in, in darkness in this movie, but it's still it's like ultimately it's not about the darkness that's scary. It's never about the unknown as much as it is about. Um, I mean, that's not to say there's, you know, everything, but I, I don't think it's like the, the fear of what you don't know. It's almost more of this fear of what you could be or what you might be. Um you know, like the influences that are there. It's, I don't know. I don't know that I fully understand it, but there is something visceral and um, that just, just latches onto that. I'm just, I'm, I'm so intrigued by, and there is some, there's a couple of scenes that are, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about in spoilers that are, are different. But again, I think it's, it's, it makes you uncomfortable in a way that I think the character is uncomfortable. And so like, if you're feeling that way, you're almost maybe connecting to the character in an unexpected way. Um, and that's, I, I have, without getting into any of my, like no religious or spiritual views per se, but I do have this instilled like old school morality sometimes that I, I, I kind of blame on old school horror movies, right? Like eighties horror, especially 
have this kind of puritanical view like right right. if if a person has sex they get killed like that's you know especially if they're out of you know teenage it's almost always teenagers right who are having unmarried sex and they are killed for it and if they sin they're killed for it and so um like i sometimes will like i still have those like i have to like no no that's not actually how i feel but that is like this ingrained thought right that i have to actively like no no that's not how this is anymore that's not how it has to be blah 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 and so like seeing certain things in this movie you're just like oh my goodness oh my goodness like why are why are you acting like that it's such a weird sequence and that's what you're supposed to be kind of um i don't know i just i think it's it, there's so much good there's a, some really interesting performance choices um the music is really compelling and i think the story um uh, is twisting and twisted enough without being like a, like an m night Shyamalan like gigantic twist kind of thing you know um I don't know. Let's get into spoilers because obviously we're we're like dancing around topics instead of like <laughs> a, a, a So I really liked the movie. Uh, Corey liked it, but not Lukewarm. her favorite. I think lukewarm. I guess uh, seems wrong. But all right, let's <laughs> give him the warning, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. I feel like we should like I should just go come out and say this. I don't like movies that are about cults or like i mean most horror movies when they're about like religious fanaticism it's usually about a cult or something um i don't enjoy those movies because i don't see this is a hard one to talk about so um but i just don't enjoy those movies i mean i didn't like oh what is that movie house of the devil like you know and like there's another movie that I want to like say something about, but it's not that old and maybe people haven't watched it, but I'm like in it like a hundred percent until the end. And I'm like, really guys, this is what we're doing right now. Like you just lose me. And I mean, there are two contrasting forces in this movie, you know, I don't know. There's like the paganism. There's a Christianity, like the puritanical. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Um, and, it is Christianity, but yeah, but it is pure. Well, um, I don't know, but I mean, we all saw what was coming at the end, right? Like that wasn't a surprise to anyone because which part are you talking about? The the him being sacrificed? <laughs> yeah, or... I mean, I don't feel like I knew. I don't know. Um, I was very into the mystery of the missing girl of Rowan, um, who he's looking for, right? I mm-hmm. think it's Rowan, right? Yeah, Rowan. Um. I was very believing in and then like so curious about the mystery and how every time we, you think you kind of understand what's happened to her, you learn something new and then you're constantly like second guessing and like, wait, is she dead? Is she not dead? Are these people fucking with him? Like, Oh, (laughs) sorry. Um, sorry, podcast. Uh, but like, you know, that is something that you're kind of wondering throughout the film, right? Like, is he, is he being toyed with or are they, are they this, this, these evil people who killed a child and are now covering it up? And I think the movie does a really good job of keeping you on your toes about it because I think um, they're so kind and they're so open, but they also have that kind of uh, fanaticism about themselves, right? Like where they're like, no, no, we don't say the dead, you know, we say this and um what the whole, all the teaching scenes are really stressful for me as a teacher because he like, 
dictates and he threatens her job because she's teaching them about sex. Something and... different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, like, so I, I, there's so many scenes in this. Now, the scene that I think I, I had forgotten, so I don't know if I had, like, not watched it out of, like, my embarrassment or whatever, but is the uh, seduction dance, right? With the um, <sighs> the girl that is the barkeeper's daughter. That... Which I don't know which actress that is. If it's Willow. I'm looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Willow. Uh, Britt Eklund is the actress. Um, they're like, because it is super, like, she's completely naked. But it, it, she's Banging never. Banging on the wall. Like, what? Well, there is so, there is obviously, like, it's it's a metaphorical scene. Like, I don't know how literal we're supposed to take the actions. Um, I mean, it's happening in the movie, I think, for sure. Like, I think she is, like, dancing and slapping her butt, and he is responding like, as though he is feeling it. Like, there's, like, a, a witchcraft kind of thing going on. But I don't know if we're supposed to take it as actual witchcraft or if it's more of, like, a metaphor of temptation and seduction, you know? Um, that he's this man who is engaged to be married, who has this very strong belief that you're only with one woman ever, after marriage so he's a virgin and here is this gorgeous woman who has basically outright said that she's available for him and And he wants her Mm -hmm. yeah and he wants her but he you know his views say you can't have her and so he's like fighting it's this weird struggle of of temptation and seduction the music in that sequence and the the cross cutting between i think it's a brilliant sequence but i had forgotten it because it is also it's not scary right it's like it's almost funny it's almost comical comical, um because how it's shot and the the music and and him like basically dry humping the wall in desperation and like it almost i kept waiting for him to punch himself in the nuts you know like that's the he's trying so hard to resist like it was almost like that's the next thing right he just punches himself as hard as he can in the nuts so he can't you know get up and and have the intercourse he's not allowed to have so what i don't understand about all of this is she has already verified that he's a virgin at the end we verify one of the reasons why is because he's a virgin so why is she trying to seduce him well because he could have given in well that's it could be a test of um like um As far as, like, if he's not a virgin, if he just tells people he's a virgin, but he's actually, like, you know, a male whore who sleeps around all the time or whatever, um, maybe. Uh, and again, maybe it's maybe the scene is a metaphor. Maybe that's a dream sequence, right? Um, maybe he's dreaming about her, and that's what we're supposed to take from that. Although, you know, she does acknowledge that she was waiting for him or whatever, but that doesn't mean that all of the dance and stuff had to happen the way it happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, think, I do think it's literal in the film, but, I mean, maybe you're right maybe it doesn't make sense um because if if they need him to be a virgin if if he had given in that that ends the the ritual right i guess like i guess she didn't have to follow through and if everyone on mm -hmm. the island knew that that's why he's there then like just from the beginning it didn't make any sense to me that that girl was missing obviously because no one had supposedly heard about her which didn't make any sense because they set up all these different things around the island that were way too obvious. But also that someone anonymously sent the letter about the girl. Like, you know. See, we have different opinions of how, like, minds work. Like, I totally buy that because 
I have watched people with cognitive dissonance. And it's honestly, you can look right now across parts of our country and you will see people in sheer denial about certain things. And I'm not talking about one side. I'm talking about both sides. I think there are people who are unwilling to see the truth in front of them. And so if you believe that for the greater good, um, which I, this movie, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Hot Fuzz pulls from The Wicker Man as well, right? Like the Edgar Wright film. Um, in like the, the greater good and those community things, and it's very cult-like in that way. And they're all doing it. They're doing it in Hot Fuzz to win um, the best town competition. Where Wicker Man here, it's, it's for survival. It's like so they have their... their uh, fruitful harvest but it's still about this community and and screw everybody else this is about our community and we must take care of our people and so seeing them like commit to the the lie i have no no problem believing at all um oh no but I wish. The, it, no i no my whole point was that i just knew it was him because you know what i mean like if there really was a girl missing See, I, I, I definitely didn't, um, my, again, I wasn't thinking that there would be a sacrifice, um, when I saw it the first time. I mean, obviously this time I knew there was a sacrifice. I've seen the movie, but the first time I, I don't, I don't know. I, I totally bought that someone would have sent a letter. Maybe, maybe they were okay with all of the behavior, but now that this girl has been killed, now they can't deal with this this behavior and they're trying to break away but they're afraid like i totally bought that as a possibility too um wow uh i'm i'm on the wikipedia page for this and accordingly film magazine cinefantastique i'm guessing is how you say that uh described this movie as the citizen kane of horror movies um which is insane uh that's a really big uh compliment um total film magazine named the wicker man the sixth greatest british film of all time uh, I feel like British films, we've watched two British horror films, uh, both your picks, because uh, Don't Look Now is also a British horror film. Um, Just trying to break, you know, break out of the mold a little. No. Not really, it wasn't I, on purpose at all. <laughs> yeah, I I very much like this. I was trying to see if there's anything interesting, um, like, synopsis-wise. I didn't get you know, a chance to, to look into that beforehand. But. I watched uh, Guy's review, and now I'm forgetting his name. He said that he's not really a film person but i thought he gave her a very good um analysis but um he said that there i was reading the comments and he mentioned a scene that i didn't see in the version that we watched and so apparently from reading those comments on youtube there are many different versions of this film interesting so i'm just glad that when we watch these things we always make sure that we're watching the same version because yeah that would be confusing. Yeah. I was like, what? I So also, let's talk about this. I did not like the music in this movie. I felt like... Really? Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Like, them huh. singing and stuff all the time, I did not like it. I like it. I, I mean, it's not something I would listen to, like, outside of the movie, but I think it works really well for the tone of the movie. I feel like... I don't know... <sighs> Let me tell you what I thought was horror. The okay. animals in The Wicker Man. They were sacrificing animals. Oh, yeah. Just burning them Which, right I mean, up. that's not uncommon. Yeah, I guess maybe the how they sacrifice the burning is pretty brutal. Um, uh, I've not watched the Nicolas Cage remake. 
But I've... I know there's bees. I've seen that scene. Bees? <laughs> have you seen the scene? Oh, have you not seen the scene of him screaming bees? No. It's one of the it's one of the best Nicolas Cage like acting reels because he's just like not the bees, not the bees, and he's just like screaming. It's so over the top. It oh is. Oh my god! Of course it is. I've I saw while I was like, I try to sometimes watch like one review or something um, before we record. I saw that there were not very good things said about that version though. Oh no! It's the. I think it's heavily associated with the the. Uh, the moment where he his career started no, to take a dive. No. Um, yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent on that, but I feel pretty confident that's where people start going. Oh, he's he's crazy, isn't he? And this uh, is just taking a turn for the worse. Um. Yeah. But so I'm looking at the Wikipedia, and uh, it looks like there are six releases. So there's the original release, which is I think what we watched. Okay. Um. It says it runs 87 minutes. There's a copy of a finished 99-minute version that was sent to American Film Producers. Uh, during the mid-70s, Hardy made inquiries about the film, uh, hoping to restore it to its original version. Um, I'm just kind of skimming through. There's a US VHS. There's a director's cut that came out in 2001. And then there's a final cut. Uh, European distributors of the Studio Canal began a Facebook campaign in 2013 to find missing material, 35-millimeter print. Oh, so yeah, there's there's a version that we have not seen apparently. I am intrigued. I kind of want to see it. Um, so there's a a burnt offering, the cult of Wicker Man um, documentary, the worshiping the Wicker Man, the music of the Wicker Man, um, all in this final cut Blu-ray. It's a UK Blu-ray though, so I don't know if we can get a, a US version. But it says the second disc features both the UK 87 minute theatrical cut and a 95 minute 2013 director's cut. Um, I'm intrigued. I really like this movie. I actually will kind of want to watch it more um, because I, I like, I don't know. There's something with the tone of the film that really works for me. And again, I like the music. I, again, not in a way that I would like listen to like, it. Like I like to it. hearts beat loud or whatever, but yes, no, I definitely would. Well, I mean, I guess Please there's don't. some things to run to. It's eerie and it's unsettling, which I think I is what adds to it. See, I don't feel like this movie really, I don't feel unsettled until he's being walked to the wicker man. I don't feel any atmosphere in this movie until that point. I don't feel any dread until that point. Like I just, I, and even like, I know that he's surrounded by a whole Island of people, but he doesn't even fight. Like, maybe he just feels like it's pointless, or he's not going to win anyway. But guess what? I'm going to take down a few people with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just no fight in him. No, and I, but I think that, I don't know. I feel like there's so much commentary being made about, like, beliefs and maybe uh, forcing your beliefs on others. And, you know, like, that kind of thing just resonates and... I mean, he accepts his fate when he's in the Wicker Man, but it, there's he even tries like, to like but that. You hear, you hear the fear in his voice. You and even like you hear before he's taken to the Wicker Man, you hear him like at first he's accepting that he's going to be a martyr and this is his fate and he's going to have eternal life. But then there's that one little point where he doesn't really, you know, I don't Corey, know. Yes, Corey, I'm so stupid. I'm so mad at myself. I brought up how this movie is clearly in, like influences Hot Fuzz. The freaking guy of the neighborhood watch who sits in the room above, above the police station is the freaking main character from this movie. What? 
Yeah, Edward Woodward is Tom Weaver in Hot Fuzz. So in Hot Fuzz in the police station, they have a neighborhood watch computer like console thing. That's him. I haven't watched that movie in so long. Oh, so I have seen long. so. I feel Edgar Wright. If you're listening to my podcast, I am so sorry that I didn't make that obvious connection. Oh man, that is so cool. I'm I am proud of myself for making the connection without <laughs> knowing that detail. But that's a hundred percent why he's cast in that for sure. Oh man, I am so enthralled because uh, I'm looking at his picture. I'm like, hey, he's in Hot Fuzz. Wait a minute. <laughs> like, oh man, I feel a little dumb for that earlier, but hey, um, I put it together, everybody. I got there. It just took a little while. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, it, it clearly, it's so interesting how sometimes uh, we have seen eye to eye on some of these iconic horror films. And then this particular one, uh, we're on opposite ends. Maybe not full opposite, but um, I, I I think we are on opposite ends with how it hits us, though. Even if it's not like a criticism wise, but as far as like for me, it resonates really hard. And for you, it's like it's just not doing what you, what you are expecting a horror movie to do for you. Yeah, I. Hmm. And honestly, it's harder for me to argue against that, like because a lot of times. I'm arguing because maybe I'm like, oh, you, I don't think you looked at it the right way or I don't think you were coming at it from the perspective. But I honestly, I don't, I think you are. I just think it's not things that resonate and click for you the way they click for me, which even it sounds like the same with Midsummer for you where Midsummer really resonated and freaked me out. And Oh, but, um, but no, I, that's what I didn't want to say before we started recording with spoilers uh, is I like Midsummer way more than I like Wicker Man because I think that even though it does have some of those things that you were talking about, they still are celebrating and it's still bright and sunny and stuff he just has such a gift with the, with the unease i was uncomfortable on the edge of my seat there were things happening that absolutely shocked me and even though i saw them coming for like a split second i still couldn't believe that they would actually put that on screen and i mean it what year did that movie come mm. out was it 2018 i'm so bad with time I think it's twenty. Uh, no, it was last year because she had she had three movies come out in uh, twenty nineteen. Uh, Women, Florence Midsummer Pugh is the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, so awesome she is. Um, I just feel like, you know, even though I knew uh, something was about to happen, so even though it's this point in time and we've seen just about everything that we can see on screen that's not that's not a you know challenge accepted world but um like as far as like in movies we've seen a lot and even just to be shocked still i don't know i feel like that see i guess i i knew where i didn't go into wicker man knowing that there was going to be a sacrifice I kind of did like I, I I was familiar with the I mean, it's on the cover, the poster, like the giant statue. I think maybe I hope it wasn't on the original poster. I think that might be hurting the movie um, a little bit because I do feel like that's supposed to be a reveal. It's not like he pulls up to the island and like, welcome to the Wicker Man Island. You know, yeah. like it's, it's not like they don't have like statues or posters like marketing the Wicker Man. Death metal um, band. They're like, welcome to your death. Yeah. So like um, and obviously other horror films have pulled from the imagery of this film and everything, but I, I really vibe with the, uh, that whole, like the, the fear of like this, like group being so blind, but that's one of the things I love about this movie is I think it's making you think 
like this group is so blind to reality yet he is so blind to reality that's exactly i think the movie really lets you kind of weigh because they don't tell you if the sacrifice works or not right like we don't know if their harvest sucks again and also that whole setup where he talks about who are you going to sacrifice next it must be the king of summer isle yeah yeah Uh, and so but but again we don't know so like while we we get the outcome of our character we see how his his life is tragically i guess you could argue tragically taken we don't know who is right was he right that these people were were you know blindly believing this this myth and this these old ways or the new ways and you don't get any closure the movie lets you have to make that decision so you're kind of grappling with your own belief system of what which of these two because both are could be argued as well you're believing in nothing you're believing in in superstition you're believing i'm not saying that that's what it is but religion is about faith and if you don't believe in one someone else's religion it sounds like fairy tale and magic but if you believe in it it doesn't sound like that right like greek gods now most people i would say in general like zeus and stuff people dismiss as nothing more than legend and icon because oh well gods don't do that kind of thing it's like well, yeah but jesus turned water into wine you have to believe that you have to accept that truth too so again it's not you're not dismissing all supernatural elements you're dismissing the ones that don't fit into your belief, belief structure and this movie is like making you confront that and and tackle that idea and because again if you are of the mindset that people who are in this giant cult who believe all this thing and i cult feels strong um but there's like the movie the endless uh which is on netflix right now great movie that deals again with cult and like this idea more i think what we traditionally think of a cult is like you know people who have like the suicide cults or right like a compound they live off isolated but like i mean this technically is a compound they just have an island instead of a little farm or whatever you know but it's the same idea they're very isolated they they all have a like mind they is very community centric um I, i i love that that introspection that this movie does is that it makes you have to kind of grapple with your own thoughts in order to really process what it's saying. Mm-hmm. I I totally see where you're coming from. I totally get it. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I'm not even saying it. Uh, I, some of that was just me kind of realizing why I, why I uh, engage so much with this movie because it is making you think about your own beliefs. Where, where do you fall? which side is actually good and which side is actually evil or either good or either evil. Like, I think you are having to weigh all these options. I feel like something that just kills me. It's like all the horror movies, they're always horror movies that deal with things like this. Cause I think that you're right too. I don't think that it's quite like, uh, you know a cult but you know all the horror movies that deal with subject matter like that i guess mm-hmm. yeah and i wasn't putting it against like because you had <laughs> referred to i wasn't debating like, oh yeah I, I don't know um i don't know what what has to qualify for it to be officially a cult versus like i feel like blood sacrifice like no i'm kidding <laughs> like, well i mean in this one yes maybe um, but... But... well i'm also thinking about like house of the devil that one comes up in my mind so much ty what's his name i don't like his movies they don't work for me but i don't think i've seen that but you know they're like 
doing a blood sacrifice. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm often intrigued by those movies. It does not... Oh, Tom Noonan's in that movie. Um, Ty West is the guy's name. Oh, yeah, uh, Ty West. Um, I, I can't think of another example. I definitely know other movies that... Right? Have, uh, Oh, he did Innkeepers. I like Innkeepers. I didn't like Innkeepers. I still have not watched VHS. Um, that's been on my radar for some time. Oh, that's Ty it. West. Well, I think that's a. It's a. If I'm not mistaken, that is a uh, series of shorts. Oh, okay. Uh, an anthology. So I think he did one of them. Okay. Um, but that's pretty much the only thing I've seen of his is the Innkeepers. Um, but um. I can't think of other movies. Uh, I know there's uh, like I mentioned the Endless. I love that movie. Um, did you ever see that? I tried to watch it. Oh, see, ah, well, there you go. It's a cult movie, and you got out of it. And we don't obviously we're not referring to like cult movies. Like Scott Pilgrim is a cult movie. We're talking um, movies about actual cults. So it's a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Well, isn't that I don't what separates like that from a, a religion? Good. Right? Because I find, like, reading about, like, cults in real life, I find that interesting to read about, but I don't ever think that it's good. I don't think anybody should, like, poison themselves or, like, anything like that. But I find it interesting, but, like, in... I don't know. I'm getting the vibe that, much like when we say a cult movie has, like, a small group of of cinephiles, like... So it's a religious group, but a smaller, like, subset of a group. I feel like they're more... Their beliefs are not, like, very widespread. They're not the mainstream. The second definition says a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices. Like, it's one of those things where I feel very strongly that I I can identify a cult when I see it. But at the same time, I've never thought to put it into a definition like that, right? Where it's like, this is the criteria a group would have to meet to be considered a cult. I think I often have always associated it with some type of sacrifice, though, right? Because like, that's, um, what was the 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 alien cult was like a... in California? Yeah, when we were like in the nineties, right? Like I think <clears throat> they were. It was the comet was coming, um, and they all. I think they drank the Kool Aid, where that expression came from, if I'm not mistaken. That's how they. Uh... You know that they still they they operate out of California. Two of the members mm-hmm. did not commit suicide, so that they could right. keep like, um. Let me see, because I just read about them again. Uh, every once in a while, I'll go back and like Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, that's it. Yep. San Diego. So I remember that, like on the news and stuff. I was very young, but still, like it was. It's very like always been. Oh, I've always been aware of it, and it's been mocked and parodied several times. Um, they Family Guy did a very uh, specific episode where Meg joins a cult like that. Um, like so, it's it's been around. It's it's a it's culturally like, there. Like it was like such a. Th- I don't want to say such a thing in the 70s, but it seemed like, mm, and it no, should uh, be 60, such be it should be a concern, but it seemed like such a concern in the 70s because also because that Heaven's Gate started in 1974, I just read, and then um, wow. Jonestown, which was in the guy I'm reading right now, Guyanese Jungle, which is they're the ones who drink the Kool Aid, um, the Jonestown Massacre, um, that was in 1978. Um, yeah, and. I, I mean, well, you think of, like, the, the Manson family, right? Like, yeah. very similar. And, um, uh, what movie was it? Um, oh, uh, Used Cars, um, which I just watched because that was Robert Zemeckis' uh, second film, um, that, and Kurt Russell's first non-Disney film. 
and oh. um the the main oh not the main character but the owner of the used car lot that kurt russell works at his daughter was in a hippie uh commune but there is an implication he thought she was a part of a cult like there's this kind of it's a kind of throwaway joke but like yeah because that was such a, a thing like what's the difference between a commune and a cult and it i guess it boiled down to like how it ends i guess um oh I, this I, I thought this was funny uh on letterbox uh review by brad pitt is the person i follow it's not actually brad pitt um maybe it is or at least i don't think so um they they said uh this twin peaks moonrise kingdom crossover uh moonrise kingdom crossover is pretty dark and i think that's pretty funny and oh my then, god because um, moonrise kingdom we have talked about this that is one of oh my god what's his name wes anderson yeah one of his movies that i just it just i just can't watch it again me either um and i feel like uh, so many people praise it i'm just like i can't watch it's the kids creepy it's creepy yeah it feels like it's meant for teenagers and i can't watch it um and yeah a lot of the reviews are on here are pretty funny um or not necessarily funny like some are very like like hey look it's one of those movies i'll be thinking about for the rest of my life and that's how i kind of feel with this movie um it's just it it makes you really 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 like grapple with it um and then uh wait what's this oh um <laughs> so this is terrifying i mean as if there wasn't already enough pressure to lose your virginity <laughs> dude because oh. even like the vampire movies like if you're a virgin you know what i mean like yeah uh well you know so many horror films in fact um oh yeah uh and then i love the midsummer cinematic universe now is a good one too um yeah i i really i appreciate this movie i think i am gonna dive into the horrible nicholas cage one just oh, out of God. like I have it, and so like, well, I might as well give it a watch, you know. Yeah. I want to see how how do you take a movie that I because, like, some people might say, oh, you just can't remake a classic, but like, I wouldn't say Ariaster. Right, I wouldn't say Ariaster remade it, but he definitely is inspired by it. And obviously, I've now jumped on the connection with Hot Fuzz that I had never made until tonight. Um, that he's obviously channeling that mindset of the Wicker Man because even, uh, he's not sent there because of a missing child, but. There is the uh, he's constantly looking for a missing swan. So let's point that out. Oh, gosh. And um, I need to rewatch. But that. Uh, oh, it's so good. It's actually to me, Hot Fuzz, when I watched it the first time, was my least favorite first watch of his movies. And it has every I've learned a lot more about the movies that he's referring to in that film <laughs> since I watched it the first time. And so I think that helps a lot. But um, there's so much more nuance in that film and even uh nicholas angel who is a simon peck's character is clearly channeling some similar vibes to our our sergeant in this movie with his uh kind of the police power like he's, he's trying to instill rule law and order and while he's not a puritan he has a very strict adherence to rules his rules are more the law like he's not you know using religion as his guideline he's using the the law law of the land so to speak and but he enforces it blindly he refuses to to bow or break to his um his belief structure and it's man there's some fun cameos in hot fuzz too like kate blanchett plays yeah where she you don't see her face and um uh oh man the director from lord of the rings um oh my god peter jackson peter jackson there's a scene where you see a flashback of nicholas angel getting stabbed in the hand by a santa claus peter jackson is the santa claus (laughs) So, 
Um, I didn't know that. If you don't know, listener, I'm a really big Edgar Wright fan, and I have studied all of his films uh, extensively. So I, I, and I've taught them. To be fair, I've studied them to teach them uh, to high schoolers, so I know them inside and out at this point. Um, but had not made the connection to Wicker Man for some reason, um, because I think Hot Fuzz is more associated with the action films that it parodies, and this is definitely not an action film, but it 100% pulls from the Wicker Man, and I'm so. I'm like, now I have to rewatch Hot Fuzz with this mindset and be like, oh, let me pick it apart even more. So, yeah, I love Edgar Wright and his ability to mesh the uh, genre and also allusions to other films that he loves. So Yeah, and that's exactly it is he's a film lover and mm-hmm. it just. Well, I think we've said all there is to say about The Wicker Man from 1973 I say it's a must-see movie. It sounds like Corey's going to go decent watch. <laughs> yes, exactly what I was going to go with. And that's my own personal taste, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I, and I, I completely agree. I don't think um, this is one of those cases where one of us didn't give the movie its fair due or anything like that. I think it's just some sensibilities are just not going to click, and that's the case. Um, next week is our last I'll Show You Scary, and we're going back to Hitchcock. Yes. We're checking out Frenzy, which I am super stoked to watch. It's one... Uh, that I didn't realize I own on Blu-ray until the other day. I have a uh, H- Alfred Hitchcock box set. I bought it's a, a region free but a UK release that oh. I bought a while back, and I have it on Blu-ray. And I had no idea it was in that set. Um, there's I actually I, I was surprised because it doesn't have North by Northwest in this particular set, which oh. is unusual because that's usually lumped in. Like I just found out recently that they released uh, Birds psycho rear window vertigo and north by northwest i think on 4k as a box set and i was like oh i really want to own that um i haven't bought it yet but i just found out that it came out i had no clue that it was coming out um i think it came out within the last two months too so like it's a very recent thing but because of covid i hadn't heard about it um at least i'm blaming covid uh the movie's from 1972 so we're actually traveling back one year um stars john finch barry foster barbara lee hunt Anna Massey, uh, as I mentioned, it's directed by Hitchcock. Uh, one of the reasons I'm super excited. Um, the summary is, after a serial killer strangles several women with a necktie, London police identify a suspect. But he's the wrong man. And I just realized that in the graphic poster Whoa. for Hitchcock's Frenzy, that's a necktie wrapping around. That is so interesting. Um, yeah, I'm stoked. I can't wait to watch this. Um, So this... What year was Don't Look Now? 73. Two or three. Yeah. yeah the, we, this is three movies from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would I think this is a UK Hitchcock film, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, which a lot of the Hitchcock films that I associate with him are American films. Oh. I forgot what turned us on to this. It was on the list, obviously, but I don't remember what. there. It was referenced somewhere that made me want to like include it. Cause we were only going to originally do four for this month. We realized that the date we were like off by a week and it would still be October. So we added a fifth and I was pushing for this one, but I don't remember what made me so aware of it all of a sudden. Um, it popped up somewhere else and that's what made me want to watch this one. But that's what we're going to be watching. Frenzy 1972. It is not free on any service, but it is available digitally on Vudu and Google and YouTube and such. Um, so you can get it if you would like to watch it. If you do, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And uh, if you like what we're doing, we ask that you take a minute, rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us. 
we will be back next week with our review of Frenzy. Until the next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>